This is the Podcast Inc. production. Booyah! This is the moment podcasting fans listening around the world have been waiting for. Coming to you not so live from a listening device of your choice. It's time! Podcasting out of this corner, a mixed martial talker, holding no professional record. He stands at six feet one and one half inches tall, weighing in at whatever he feels like, hailing out of Toronto, Ontario, Canada, presenting the sometimes angry, always funny, Self-proclaimed podcasting champion of the world, Steve Fingerstyles! So, welcome to another rendition of the podcast. I am here once again, always again, and brought to you by Black Belt CBD. If you're into CBD products or you want to try CBD products, go to blackbeltcbdproducts.com. Use promo code THEPODCAST25. You'll get 25% off. They have mostly rub-ons and roll-ons and anything for inflammation related. This is mostly geared towards your athlete, but your everyday blue-collar worker could use it as well. If you have aches and pains, don't worry. No THC involved, so it's all good. You won't get high off of it. Again, the website's blackbeltcbdproducts.com. And if you're into nerd culture, if you're into collectibles, signed memorabilia, wrestling stuff, anything of that sort, comic books, go to firstroll.ca. This is a Canadian company I love to support. They're based out of Winnipeg, Manitoba, but obviously if you go to firstroll.ca, they ship within North America. Everything you see there is in Canadian funds, so all to you American listeners, you get a little bit cheaper rate. And if you use promo code THEPODCAST20, you'll get 20% off. They update daily. Like I said, anything a nerd needs or wants, they have signed baseballs, uh, being here in Canada, I guess a lot of hockey stuff, signed pucks, baseball cards, hockey cards, wrestling figures, you name it, they got it. Go to firstroll.ca. And if you want to support me directly, please go to tpublic.com. And if it's easier for you to scroll down on your device, it's embedded right there in today's description. Just click on the link. It takes you directly to my merchandise store. I have everything from hoodies to t-shirts to pillows to phone cases, anything you need or want, it's there. That helps me directly. Please go check that out if you have a second. And if you have no money, because I understand it's hard times right now, the easiest thing to do to support me, honestly, screw all that other shit from before. Please rate, subscribe, review. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, SoundCloud, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. So this week's guest, you can catch each and every week on Access and Twitch as he wrestles for impact, professional wrestler, Cody Diener. What's up, man? <laughs> I, yeah, those are some good sponsors you got there, brother. I want to get hooked up with some of that uh, 
some of that CBD rub you got there for athletes. Well, uh, you know that's can, all on can the... Can you hook me up with some free sample of that gimmick or what? You know what? I might just be able to because they haven't sent me a package in a while and they used to send me packages on a regular just so I could talk about it more often because obviously if you uh, use it and it works, then you're going to talk more about it, which it actually does because I have some severe chronic pain and it does relieve it more than anything than popping pills and even getting a massage pretty much it it does wonders yeah. i can't believe it i've actually used some uh some cbd products before um yeah some i got some some rub on uh lotion and stuff a couple of weeks ago and used it for the first time and yeah man it does work and from being an old grizzled vet like me i've been wrestling for 20 years i wake up wow. with aches and pains every morning and i rub that on my on my back and my and stuff and it, it does work so hook me up brother no you got it for sure i'll do that for you no problem so you said it, wrestling for 20 years so you got what okay so what, let's start from the beginning what was your first memory okay. of wrestling what got you into wrestling what was that aha moment that you wanted to do this for the rest of your life oh man when i was when i was five years old oh shit okay. uh I saw Hulk Hogan. Oh, there and, he is. Uh, then I was done. I mean, the rest is history. I saw Hulk Hogan for the first time. Right. And I be- immediately became a Hulkamaniac. And I'm like, what is this? <laughs> like, I've, se- I've seen cartoons and I've seen movies, but right. this guy and this thing, whatever this is I'm watching, is better than all of that because these guys are real. And this is like, it was just like, it was just mind blowing and I was addicted immediately. And it's cliche to say my first memories are of wrestling, mm-hmm. but it's actually true. Like when I was like four or five years old, my earliest memories are of watching wrestling and just being in total awe uh, of the guys I was seeing on the screen, like the Hulk Hogan, the Jake, the snake, the Ricky steamboat, the Jimmy Superfly Snooker. Those right. are my guys, man. So that's from that moment on, I was, I was hooked and Fast forward, jeez, uh, fast forward over 30 years later, and, and you know, here I am, uh, wrestling on television, and recently having people come up to me and say, hey, I grew up watching you when I was a kid, I used to watch you on TV, and da, da, da. I'm like, holy crap, you know, it didn't make me feel old, but uh, it's I don't feel that old, I don't right. feel like I've been wrestling and doing this for 20 years, Uh in the mornings I do, when I do need my CBD oil and I need to put it on and rub it on my back and my knees, I feel it then. Right, right. But then once I get up, have have my pot of coffee and I start giving her, then I'm all good and I feel like I got another 20 years. But yeah, man, I've been doing this for a long time and that's my first memory. That was my aha moment is I'm going I'm, I'm to be like that guy. I'm going to be like Hulk Hogan. That's awesome. And yeah, you know what? You know, you know what I think it is too? It's the Canadian wrestlers. You guys last for so long. Like I've had Tyson Dukes on for like <laughs> yeah. a few episodes and that guy just seems like he's getting better and younger each and every year. And it's like, what's in the Canadian waters up here that makes wrestlers longevity? <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, let's put over Tyson Dukes right now because he is, talk about aha moments actually. Okay. He was he gave me my first aha moment when I actually got into the business. So yeah. So he's actually very been very influential in me and my career. So when I started, uh, I was like a lot of guys who started Mm -hmm. and I just, 
was copying what I saw on TV right. and I saw some cool moves on TV. So I'm like, I want to do that cool move. So I was just <laughs> wrestling and doing moves, just moves that I saw on TV for, for no rhyme or reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, just whatever I thought was cool and neat that I saw on ECW that weekend. I'll right. try that and just doing stuff for no reason. <laughs> and I had Tyson Dukes watch one of my matches and when I was done, he, he I, I went to the back and uh, I walked up to him. I said, "Did you just get a chance to see that, sir?" And he says, "Yes, I did." Mm-hmm. I said, "Well, can you, you know, have, do you have any advice? Was there anything that you noticed that you know stood out that you could tell me about?" And he says, "Well, do you want the truth or do you want me to lie to you?" Mm-hmm. And I said, "Oh, please, sir, tell me the truth." Right. He goes, "Well, that whole thing I just saw was the absolute shit." <laughs> yep, that's Tyson. <laughs> And I thought that I thought that I had the best match in the world. I thought oh it was the God. greatest thing ever. Like, and then all of a sudden, he just looks me in the dead eye and says, "That was the shit." And I, I <laughs> and I said, "Why?" Right. And he goes, "You really want to know?" I said, "Yeah." And he sat me down and yeah. told me why the things that I was doing mm-hmm. was awful. Right. And my very first aha moment. <laughs> It was very simple, and I, I, again, it was an aha moment, so I'll never forget it. Right. He said, remember when you had the guy in the corner and you punched him in the face like five times in a row? Mm. And you go, yeah, he goes, those are great punches. I was like, oh, thanks. He goes, then you whipped him across the ring and he reversed your, your Irish whip. Mm. And then made all the punches you just did were wasted and there was no point in any of them because obviously they sucked because he can just reverse a whip and start beating you up after you punch him in the face five times. Right. And I went... Oh, like the light bulb went off. I'm just punching the guy in the corner five times because that's what you do when you're a wrestler. You get a guy in the corner, you stomp your foot, and you punch him in the face five times, right? (laughs) Or however many times you want, and then you go into the next move you're going to do. But all of a sudden, this light bulb went off, and he explained to me some of the whens and whys and hows of what we do and why what we're doing is actually trying to build a realistic fight story mm. i was like oh geez okay okay there's something else there's more to this than i realized and he's someone that i go to and have gone to since to as, as a mentor of someone that i definitely look up to because like you said he's gotten better with age he's still giving her and he's better than he ever has been and i've been lucky to get in the ring with tyson dukes and mix it up with him and uh he's he's an unsung hero of this business and yeah. It is a travesty that he isn't on television with a major company right. making a million dollars right now because he should be. Yeah, that you know what, and the sentiment goes across the board with everybody because that's what you always see on Twitter where he gets tagged. Why isn't he here? Why isn't he on there? And it's like it's so true. Mm-hmm. It's it is a travesty, man. It's it's ridiculous. And, and the best thing about Tyson is as much as he's a hard ass like that, I don't know if he wants people to know this, but he's the nicest person you'll ever meet as well on the flip side, and that's so hard to find nowadays. Yeah, man, exactly, and that's and maybe that's that's maybe that's what's hurt him. I don't know. Oh. I mean, uh, it you know because unfortunately in this business you got to be you got to be a little bit of an asshole to to make it, sure. um, and you got to be have a little bit of an ego. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he, he and he, he can be an asshole because he looked <laughs> me and told me I was the shits. Right. But I mean. It's it's in a lighthearted and meaningful way, and he he doesn't have a mean bone in his body. He is you're right. He's he's one of the nicest guys you ever meet, and maybe maybe he's just been too nice at certain moments in his career um, that have maybe worked against him. I don't know, right. but I I like to think that you know that uh, good guys 
get what they deserve in the end. And unfortunately, this isn't a fairy tale. Sometimes that doesn't happen. Um, but sometimes it does. Sometimes the good ones, you know, they finally get what's coming to them and they, they get what they deserve. And I, I believe that at some point Tyson Dukes is is going to be recognized and get what he deserves. And that's that's a contract with a major company. I Again, I hope so. And here's a perfect example, a short story. Uh, we barely knew each other. He was on the podcast one time and then... He was like, oh, next time you're in London, why don't you come out to the wrestling school and I'll get you in the ring if you want. And I was like, what? Uh, I thought, you know, people just say that in passing, whatever, right? So then I'm like, okay, I'll text him. I'll be like, okay, I'm, I'm actually passing through London, whatever. He's like, okay, come on down to the gym, brother. And I'm like, okay. So I show up there. Nicest guy. All the students came shaking my hand. He introduced me to everybody. I'm like, what the fuck? This guy's treating me as if I'm like a peer, as if I'm a professional like he is. And I'm like, this guy's top notch. And then after the class was all over, he tells me to hop in the ring and then he's showing me some little stuff in here and there and explaining like how you said. He has this knowledge and the way he explains stuff, you do get a, that aha moment like just like that. And it's like, this guy would be the best teacher. This guy's like one of the best wrestlers. And yeah, it is such a shame, but hats off to Tyson Dukes. We could talk about him all day, but that's for another podcast, I guess. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, he's awesome. And hey, let's let's plug his wrestling school, the Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory. Yep. When people ask me where to train, that's where I point them to. I, I point them towards the Tyson Dukes Wrestling Factory because, uh, like you said, he he is he has a way of being able to explain things to people that, you know, can make that light bulb go off for them. Which sometimes it takes a long time for someone mm. to to kind of get a grasp of the business. Right. Um, but if you got someone like Tyson Dukes guiding you, then you're you're better off than the next guy. No, of course, most definitely. So we're born and raised Southern Ontario. Where exactly? Because there's so many things online. You say this little town, that, London, St. Thomas. Yeah, yeah. So um, I grew up in in that area um, okay. of London and St. Thomas. I grew up in a small town called Port Bruce, Ontario. Oh, gotcha. And okay. yeah, so uh, th- there's people that live 20 minutes from Port Bruce and have never heard of Port Bruce. Oh, wow. It's <laughs> like, that I'm small. Not, I'm, I'm not kidding. Like, okay. There's people that live... Like they, they don't even know. They like what? And there's even there's maps. I remember when I was in third grade uh, geography class, the, sure. the the teacher gets out a map and says, "Okay, we're all going to point to where we live on the map." And everybody's pointing. You know, some of the kids are from like closer to St. Thomas and Port Stanley and Sparta, and and I'm off in the corner, kind of moping. And the teacher's like, "What? What's wrong?" And yeah. I said, "Well, I can't find my hometown on the map." And she goes, "Give me the map. I'll show you where it is." And then she she kind of goes she kind of goes quiet. And I'm like, "Where is it?" She goes. Right. Oh, you're you're right. It's not on here. <laughs> so Port Bruce isn't even on some maps. Uh, it's so small. So it's a small little rural town in the middle of nowhere. Population of less than two hundred people uh, year round. But in the summertime, the population shoots to maybe almost a thousand oh, wow. because there's uh, four trailer parks in town. Oh. So all the trailer park folks show up in the summertime and party. Yeah. And then all of a sudden Port Bruce uh, has a booming population. So I grew up uh, in a small little trailer park town. Um, that's, that's my upbringing surrounded by farmland, small little rural Southwestern Ontario. So when, when did you get out? When did you experience or start experiencing the big city life? <laughs> So, I I grew, I lived in Port Bruce until about the eighth grade, and then in high school I moved in with my mom and lived lived in a town that went from you know 
less than 200. Then all of a sudden I moved to Elmer, Ontario, which mm-hmm. I thought was like a booming metropolis. Um, <laughs> but still it had about maybe three or 4,000 people in it. Right. Wow. So, but to me, you know, I went from a town that didn't, some of the intersections didn't even have stop signs. Mm-hmm. Like there's still intersections in Port Bruce. There's not a stop sign. Wow. You just get to, you just figure it out. Right. <laughs> Where, and then I went to, Group moved to Elmer, and there's actually stop lights. Oh, wow. uh, there's actually one stop light at the main intersection of town. There's a stop light. So mm. Wow, moving into the big city, man. <laughs> uh, and there was like a there was a Tim Hortons and a McDonald's all of a sudden. Oh. So uh, yeah, so I. Uh, but then then I. Uh, I would, I would, when I played sports and stuff, I would mm-hmm. go into, go into St. Thomas and go into London okay. and, uh, to, to, to play sports. So I, I knew of these kind of bigger, bigger towns and that there was life outside of my small town, but, uh, I loved my small town mm-hmm. and still do. Um, it's my favorite place to go is to actually to bring my kids to, to the beach in Port Bruce and, uh, just sit there and, and swimming lake Erie. it's my favorite place to be there's there's nothing like it but yeah i was able to finally get out and, and branch out and, and in high school and then eventually in my last year of high school is when i actually started wrestling training it was my last year of high school mm-hmm. and I, I trained i was trained by danger boy Derek wild in niagara falls ontario oh, nice. which was three hours from port bruce so I drove three hours there and three hours back uh, twice a week for a year wow. to train to be a professional wrestler. Jeez, that's crazy. Well, for the love of it, right? <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, that's why when I, when I have kids that say, oh, well, I, I kind of want to go to this one school, but it's like an hour from my house, so I don't think I'm going to go there. Mm-hmm. And I say, look, you little <laughs> punk. I said, <laughs> like, don't freaking don't pick a school, a wrestling school based on convenience. Right. Base a wrestling, you know, base a wrestling school you're going to go to on the quality of it. So if Tyson Dukes' wrestling factory is three hours from your house, uh, and, oh, I can't afford it, well, then get a job, right. like I did, mm-hmm. um, I, and, and cook burgers and, and flip burgers and cook french fries in the summers until you have enough money to pay for wrestling school and to pay for a vehicle exactly. so you can get your license and go to that wrestling school. Because that's what I did. Um, and if you're willing to put in the work, you can make it happen. So that's 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 my ornery old man advice to young kids <laughs> that say that that's uh, too too far away because i like i said i grew up in the middle of nowhere man right. if you're you're willing to put in the work and go places then um you can make things happen no of course most definitely well the first time i actually heard of you was back in uh, 2009 when you signed with tna and you were paired up with odb well first off yep. How was it working with the Knockouts division? Because you were in a pretty stacked division at the time because there's the likes of like Awesome Kong, the Beautiful People, and obviously mentioned ODB. Where like And that time, there wasn't really much intergender at the time like how it is nowadays. No, so did you no, see it as something like you were being punished or did you get laughed at? Like What was your feeling going into that when, when you were told? It was difficult because... Like you said, the women's division was stacked, um, and they were having really good matches. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like the Awesome Kong and the Gail Kim, and then all of a sudden, I get thrown in there, and they're going to have to wrestle me, um, who I was brought in as a character that was like a super fan that didn't know how to wrestle. Right. My instructions were, you have to wrestle and make it look like you don't know how to wrestle. Okay. That's what I had to do, and I, I've been wrestling since 2000. So I was I had almost 10 years under my oh, belt yeah. when I signed with TNA, right? So to try to wrestle like you don't know how to wrestle is actually a lot harder than 
<laughs> than it sounds. I could imagine. Uh, yeah. But right, but um, I had a blast. But again, like the, the the women were having these great matches. So for then for me to come in and basically be instructed like you can't wrestle, I'm not going to be able to have good matches. So there was heat there, not necessarily from the women, but I think mm-hmm. maybe even from the fans. It was, they kind of felt cheated. Like, uh, man, this guy, you know what I mean? Like, these girls are having these amazing matches, and now this guy's getting thrown in there, and they're not going to be good matches. And it wasn't my fault. It was because we weren't allowed to have good matches. And at that yeah. time, you know, an intergender match wasn't going to be an even matchup yeah. where they were viewed as equals because it was a different time and a different era. Yeah. Um, however, that being said, um, my job was to be entertaining and I took that seriously and I feel like I feel like I did what I needed to do to the best of my ability. Um, and if my job was to be entertaining, I was going to be as entertaining as hell. And I'm proud of the match that I was building to Mm -hmm. in that angle against ODB on pay-per-view where she won her first knockout title. Um, We were not supposed to have a good and entertaining match. Um, I think both from the office and the fan standpoint, it was just like, this will just kind of be a throwaway match. Mm. I dare anyone to go back and watch that match and not be entertained and being taken along for the ride in that match. Uh, That match was awesome. Um, and it doesn't get enough credit. Um, and ODB doesn't get enough credit for being as awesome as she is. So go back and watch that match and watch how awesome ODB is and, and what we, the story we were able to tell, it was a good one. And we had the the fans in the palm of our hands. So I'm, I'm actually quite happy and proud, uh, of my time with TNA. Um, when, when you consider the fact that I was, my hands were, were, were kind of tied in in handcuffs with what I was supposed to be able to show I could do in the ring. Uh, I was able to make it work and make it entertaining. Now, did you know going into that contract that that was going to be your first angle or anything, or did you just sign and then they're like, here, this is what you're doing now? So that's an actually an interesting story that a lot of people don't know, is when I originally got signed with TNA, I was signed under the guise of being in a new Team Canada. Oh. Because... They, I actually got signed at the same, the same time that Tyson Dukes got signed, um, and this is they, they were bringing everybody in for they were doing a World X Cup, okay, and they were bringing in a lot of international talent. Some uh, Davari got, got signed, Doug Williams got mm-hmm. signed, a couple um, Luchadors got signed. Sure. So they were they were going to bring in some Canadian guys, and myself and Tyson Dukes got brought in, mm-hmm. and then they decided against creating another team Canada instead of doing a team Canada, they did a team international. Mm. So that, that was like uh, Tyson Dukes, Doug Williams, I think Davari and there was maybe another guy on there as well. Oh, so right. yeah, a yeah. team Canada never happened. Mm-hmm. So I got signed to be in the world X cup and then didn't get used in the world X cup. Oh. Um, but because of my character, I was Cody Diener at that point. I had reinvented myself and be, became this this uh, small town trailer park redneck guy mm-hmm. just like the people that I grew up with in the trailer mm-hmm. park of Port Bruce I, I turned that into a character yeah. and I became this this mullet handlebar mustache Cody Diener <laughs> trailer park redneck guy yeah. I created that character so they knew that they they loved that um, and they, they like they liked that character so it was it was pitched to me like this is a blessing in disguise rather than just being just another X cup guy that kind of gets to be in that tournament and then potentially is never seen from again sure, yeah. um you know we're gonna wait until we have 
an actual storyline for you to be a character on the television show. Mm-hmm. So that uh, that ended up happening, and I got brought in, got brought in when they came up with that idea to come in um, as ODB's kind of love interest and uh, fan who was crazy in love with ODB, and that's that's how it got pitched to me. And uh, there was no way in hell I was going to say no to that. Uh, this right. was, that was my first big break, first big television angle, and I had my. You know, I was, I was, I wouldn't say I had my, I was worried about it. I was mm-hmm. super excited, but I definitely in the back of my mind, I was thinking like, how is this going to, how is this going to turn into me being able to show that I can actually wrestle and show my skills in the wrestling ring? Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I know that in wrestling, anything can happen and there's ways to make that happen. So, um, that's why I went in there going, I'm going to, I'm just going to do my job the best that I can do. And right now I know my job is just be entertaining. It's not to go out there and have five-star matches. It's mm. to just be as entertaining as I can. So, uh, that, that's what I did. And you know what, as the viewer, not to shine your knob or anything, but it came off like you were having a good time. It literally came off like you were still the super fan, like you were having a blast and the time of your life, it did not look like you were sour whatsoever. So kudos to you. Thanks man. Yeah. I, like I said, I took that job seriously and, I didn't have to pretend. I mean, I was having the time of my life. Like, I, when I, I, I tell people, like, um, my, I, I talk to young kids. I go into schools. Actually, I do motivational speeches. And one of the things I tell the the, the kids when I give them a speech is, I'd say, you know, I finally got my dream contract. It was with Impact Wrestling at the time, their second largest wrestling company in North America. I signed on the dotted line. They fly me to Universal Studios in Florida to film the television show we would film the show out and we'd have to get noon every day and if i didn't have a lot i had to do before the show started mm. i got to go with a, a, a universal studios employee they would walk me around the park and i would get to go on all the roller coasters for free oh, wow. i would literally go up the exit line <laughs> and cut the line I'd go up the exit line with the guy. They'd stop the line. Right. They'd say, go ahead, and I'd get directly on the ride. Oh, uh, awesome. As everybody that was just been standing in line <laughs> for two hours, <laughs> I get to go on that ride you know, at will. So I got paid to wrestle and ride roller coasters. <laughs> like, there's, there's no better job in the world. So I literally was having the, the time of my life, man. It was, it was That's unbelievable. Awesome. That's awesome. Now, what about wrestling in a six-sided ring? How different is that compared to a four-sided ring? super different and you don't even realize until you get in there so my my first time that i really noticed the difference uh there was two things one was hitting the ropes okay. uh because the length of the rope is so much shorter it's so much tighter there's oh, not as much give to it it's gotcha. hard as hell hitting those ropes right so that was the first thing i noticed the set the second thing i noticed was the first time i climbed to the top rope uh which which i did uh on national tv in front of a million people uh <laughs> I, cl- I climbed to the top rope and, yeah. uh, and realized oh crap the angle angle of this it is not a 90 degree angle so the way when i stand up you got to put your like i i kind of duck feet my my feet out Mm -hmm. you know out to the side right so that they're they're straddling the rope well it's not a 90 it's not a 90 degree it's Mm. like whatever whatever degrees it is i don't know i'm not a mathematician but it's (laughs) it's way wider (laughs) so all of a sudden i go up there trying to put my feet on on the ropes and and i can't because my 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 legs don't bend that way right oh crap (laughs) 
and then I'm, so and I decided I'm gonna actually balance Macho Man style on this before I jump off a year. Of course. And yeah, it uh, I, I I pulled it off, thank God. But it was <laughs> live on on TV for the first time I tried to do this, and I realized, man, this ring is a lot different. So there's a lot of things different about it. Um, but those are those are the few things that stick out to be. Now you just said it. You happened to pull it off. Has there anything that has embarrassed you in the ring that you're like, "Oh fuck, what did I just do?" Um, very few. Oh, okay. um, actually, another story that I that I that I tell um, is the day that I almost died. Oh. It was in, actually in a TNA ring. Shit. Um, it wasn't embarrassing. Um, okay. It was just scary and could have gone wrong. It was. Uh, I was actually in a ladder match okay. with with Doug Williams, mm-hmm. um, and it was another moment where I decided I'm going to try something that I've never done before. But we'll just do it out there. It's fine. <laughs> I'm a, that, that's what wrestler. That's what we do. Of like if someone's like, "Hey, have you ever done this before?" <laughs> no, but I can do that. Like we'll do it. It's fine. You know, a couple million people are going to see me do this, but no big deal. I'll oh go God. and do it. So that was my big smart idea. Is I'm going to be in a ladder match, which I'd never been in one. Uh, I think I may actually, you know, I, I'm lying. I'd been in one or two, just okay. at little independent shows before. Sure. But I decided I was going to do the spot. The ending of the match was I was going to climb. I'll just get to the top, or I'm just about to grab. In this case, it was a briefcase instead of a belt. Mm-hmm. And just as I'm about to grab it, uh, Doug Williams will push the ladder. I'll do the spot where I the ladder tips, and I end up straddling the top rope. Oh. I'd never done this before, but okay. I'm like, I can do that. Sure. How hard can it be? <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> Oh, no. I I I undershoot the rope, oh. so my foot instead of going over the rope misses it. Right. So I end up landing on the top rope on my hip, oh. and end up and and on my hip, and then my momentum takes me over yeah. the top rope, yeah. and I go flying over the top rope, mm. headed straight down to my head on the concrete floor on the outside of the ring. Oh my god! And just as I'm a, as I'm falling, just instincts took over and i was luckily i was able to grab the top rope so that when i flipped instead of landing on my head or my shoulder or even my ass Mm -hmm. i actually flipped and stuck a landing right on my feet on the outside oh wow (laughs) it was insane (laughs) you can go back and find it i think there's a gif or something somebody tweeted me a while ago like it lit so crazy um and literally the 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 doctors and the medical personnel they mm-hmm. came running out and they you know they came checking on me they carried me to the back and i'm selling it like you know i got killed um but i stuck the landing actually and then what was going through my mind was i stuck the landing and i'm standing there thinking oh god like i'm alive yes hallelujah right. and then i realized oh crap I can't just stand here in front of millions of people on TV like an idiot. I got to sell this. So I look at the guardrail beside me and I throw myself at the guardrail <laughs> and, uh, and and take a bump on the outside. In my mind, wow. that whole thought process was like two minutes of me just standing there like a jackass. <laughs> but it was literally a split second. Oh, when you wow, watch it, I l- I'd land on my feet and immediately get throw- go, go flying into the guardrail. Right. So it looks like I just it, – it was insane. And uh, – I get to the back, and uh, as soon as we get to the back, I kind of I stand up and start walking the locker room, and the doctors are like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" whoa. All the wrestlers are like, "Whoa, are you okay?" Mm. I'm like, yeah, man, I do that. Bu- I do that bump every weekend on the Indies, bro. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> of course. 
Uh, oh, that's, these yeah, guys are so the worst. It no wasn't self. an embarrassing moment, but yeah. it was just this crazy, crazy moment. Uh, that, oh wow, man! I'll never, I'll never forget. That's crazy. Well, let's fast forward now. Uh, then there was a little gap in between of your TNA and now uh, your Impact career, but you're currently now with yeah. Impact again, and you're with cousin Jake, called appropriately the Deaners in a tag team. So was uh-huh. this your idea or was this again Impact's idea to put you in a tag team? Um, a little bit of both, actually. Oh, okay. So yeah, it was a little bit of both. Um, I've been in contact with uh, Impact Wrestling and different people um, in management. One of those people being Scott Demore, who runs Border City Wrestling. Right. And uh, I've been the Border City Wrestling champion for a, a number of years, mm, and okay. um, I've been wrestling with them for a main event with all the stars that they bring in for a number of years. So I was a very right. trusted talent by Scott Demore, mm. um, one of the few one of the few people in the business that kind of saw my value and knows what I can offer and has given me you know, giving me the ball to run with in his company and mm-hmm. I've been able to score touchdowns for him. So he knows the value that I have and what I can offer. Of course. So, um, but that being said, I mean, the television show, they have two hours of TV. Mm-hmm. So they got a lot of guys and you got two hours to fill. Right. And if, if you're not in the heavyweight title pitcher or in the next division title pitcher uh. um, as a singles wrestler, you don't have a lot of opportunity to be on the show gotcha. um, unless you're going to be in some kind of, you know, you know, uh, intense storyline. Mm-hmm. You know, there's not a lot of time for you to be on the show if you're just a singles guy without a title. Right. So realistically, um, for a guy like me, um, unless I was going to be brought in, you know, to be in the heavyweight title pitcher, then there wasn't going to be a lot of spots for me. And they had guys that they had to plan for that role to be brought in for those positions way ahead of me. So Mm. it it made sense that if I was brought in 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 the tag team division, then there would be an opportunity for me. And there's another guy that they were looking at, Jake something, Uh um, cousin Jake, who also... Uh, has a beard and long hair and looks crazy, <laughs> um, like a wild dude like me, right. and actually looks a lot like me. He looks does. so much like me that so much like me that when when I debuted on TV, I had family members call me right. and tell me I, I didn't know that your older brother wrestled too. <laughs> I have an older brother. Family members like I didn't know that your brother wrestled too. Right. Like well, that's not my brother. Oh <laughs> my like, god! Oh, they thought it was my legit brother. Yeah. Um. So. They they were having they were taking a look at him too, mm-hmm. um, and they saw value in an opportunity for both of us. Let's put these guys as a team together, right. and then there's a spot red. There's a spot that we have available for them, and then then we can. There's value in, in in them as a team. So we we actually had some tryout matches with them a year before we got signed. We had a couple matches on like Explosion and some other live events for them, okay. and it clicked right away. Right away, I, oh. I, I'll never forget our first match together. Sometimes you wrestle someone, and as soon as you lock up, it just like it just feels like you've wrestled this guy a hundred times, and you just know you just know them. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes when you tag with somebody, it's the same thing. You just you, you tag and the, the match flows, and it just it just makes sense and it works. Um, it's kind of hard to explain, but it just there's this this chemistry that of course is just there and that was there with me and me and jake from the beginning from the beginning we've had that chemistry so and he's such a good dude 
um, that I was like, I'm mm. happy to to make this guy a deaner and give him my last name and, and be on TV <laughs> with this guy because uh, not only is he super talented mm-hmm. uh, and amazing and huge and a hoss, uh, mm. but he he's also a, a super good dude. So um, I'm happy to happy to be his his partner. Well, not to put you on the spot, what do you prefer then now, tag teaming or singles? I think, any, for me, I've always been a singles guy. Okay. I mean, going back to when I was five years old, I want to be like Hulk Hogan. So Makes sense, yeah. I see myself, I think like most wrestlers, I've always seen myself as a tag team wrestler, or as a singles wrestler, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just how I see myself, but... I also, someone that likes a challenge, I don't like to just be in my comfort zone. I like to be challenged. So I've wrestled for 20 years and only really wrestled in a tag team, you know, consistently for the last two. So okay. I, I consider it a challenge and I really like that challenge of being able to have to work with in a ring with four guys uh, rather than just two and, and deal with... Um, you know, the rules of a tag team and, and also working cameras when there's more people involved. Right. We got, there's so many more moving parts in a tag team match that you don't really think about and realize mm-hmm. until you're doing it on TV um, and dealing with producers and cameras and all those things. It's, it's a challenge, and I, I like that challenge. So it's, it's just different. I wouldn't say I like one more than the other. Okay. It's, just, it's just different, and I like them both for, for different reasons. Oh, that's awesome. And your finisher, the DDT. As a child, this was one of my favorite moves. It's the easiest thing to pull off on anyone as a kid when you used to backyard <laughs> wrestle. You know what I mean? Hell and yeah. obviously, I'm a huge fan of Jake the Snake, as most people are from our generation. Is that is this yep. why you picked the DDT because of Jake the Snake? Hell yeah, yeah there man. You go. He was my number two. It oh. was Hulk Hogan, and then number two was Jake the Snake. Man. Okay, okay. He was, uh, he's my hero, and uh, I just I blatantly stole the DDT uh, <laughs> from my hero. And when when young kids or casual casual fans, you know, ask me like, "What's your finishing move?" You know, is it the the Diener drop or the Diener driver? I go, "No, sure. man, it's the DDT." Like, oh, what does that stand for? Does one of the D's stand for Diener? I'm like, no, it's the DDT. It's Jake the Snake's moves. I stole it. There's no fancy name for it. It's the right. DDT because that's what it's called. It's the DDT. Um, and I do it and I stole it. I do it in honor of Jake the Snake. Um, he's the man. And I, I'm happy and proud and humbled to say that uh, a number of years ago, I got to tag with Jake the Snake, oh. and we did the DDT together there to win our match. Oh, I wow. got to do a DDT with Jake the Snake in the middle of the ring uh, with, my, with my hero. So I have, I've done my hero proud in wow. that I have used the DVD, I've actually have used the DDT for 10 years now, okay. and no one has ever kicked out of it. Oh. And I'm not kidding. I've, no one has ever kicked out of, of my DDT. I, I've protected that move and protected right. my finish because because I respect Jake the Snake so much. I, I've protected his move in honor of him. And you know, and it should be like that. Like, okay, uh, sounding like old farts again, like always, but there's certain moves yeah. in my opinion. Because again, I've had this decision, bef- uh, I mean this decision, this talk before with someone else. Whereas if you go back in the early 50s and 60s, people were using a common suplex as a finisher, right? But yes. you could see that as a transition move nowadays. But P.D. Williams put out, speaking of impact, P.D. Williams put out, and a Canadian yeah. again, he put out a tweet saying that, I don't know when the Canadian Destroyer became a transition move. And it's true. Like, s- certain moves 
should not be an everyday move that everyone kicks out of. It should be the final, the finale. No one kicks out of it ever, and that's it. That's all. Like sort of like the Undertaker's tombstone. You know what I mean? Yes, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly, and that's why that's why I refuse to make. I've I've never used it as a transition move, and we'll never use it. It's not a transition move. It's not a false finish. It's my finish. Right. It's if I hit that on you, you are not kicking out of it. Um, it's done. It's it's the end. Um, so that's the way I treat it. And I believe, you know, and I, I know I, I sound like an old fart like you just said, I found like it too when I talk to young guys, right. but I, I also explain it to them. I say, Hey man, like anything can be a finishing move. If you, if you make it mean something, right. It can mean something. And the crowd, if you go all in with it, the crowd will believe it. Mm. Like, I've done shows where I've met guys for the first time. Like, right. going to, you know, I'm going to a town or a, a promotion I've ever wrestled before. And I'm working with a guy. It's happened just actually recently, to about a month ago. And I go, okay, well, and I'm, I'm going over. And he's like, well, what's, what are you going over with? I go, the DDT. Mm-hmm. And they're like, that's it? Like, it's just, <laughs> is, is, is it like a tornado one? Do right. I, do you? Do we do anything? Oh no, man! It's a DDT, <laughs> and uh, he's like, "Oh," I'm, and I said, and I explained to him how we're gonna make the crowd want to see a DDT, mm-hmm. and I'm like, by the end of this match, people are gonna be chanting DDT, right. and they're gonna go, and then I'm gonna hit it, and they're gonna go crazy, and trust me, mm-hmm. and that's exactly what happened, and it happens everywhere I wrestle. Uh, that's 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 the way things go, and uh, I get a, I can get a room full of people chanting that that move and they know that it's mine um and i it's it's weird in that i will wrestle in towns and there's young kids and they they'll be chanting ddt and Mm -hmm. they associate that with me they when they think ddt they think cody diener and i have to i have to school them and say hey look I know that you, you associate that with me, but just so you know, you need to go home and get on your Google machine and you need to look <laughs> up Jake the Snake because that's the man. That's the guy that I took the move from. And uh, I'll even say it on the mic sometimes in promos. I'll just blatantly say, hey, my finishing move, I stole it. And I stole it from the best wrestler of all time, Jake the Snake, and it's the DDT, and that's how I'm going to win. You know, so, um, yeah, man, I agree with you. It's not a transition move, and you can make it, you can make it mean something and make it important um if you want it to be important look at uh the big show's knockout punch oh they yeah. they right you know the they they got that over yeah they decided they decided we're gonna make a punch mean something and it became it became something it was a thing that oh no you don't get don't get punched by the big show it's a freaking punch mm-hmm. every other guy every other match on the show has a punch but nope when that guy punches you it just takes one punch in a certain way and you're done and they believed it and people yep. believed it because they believed it they made it mean something it's any move can mean something if you let it and you make it mean something no that's a good point it is true you just have to like you said protect it and do your thing and make it mean something and that's it <laughs> Yeah, it's hard Pretty to protect simple. it too. It's it's hard. Um, oh, especially on I the actually, indie scene too, when I, sometimes I, I you have no control. That. I asked that to Jake actually. How were oh, you able okay. to protect? Because he protected his finish too. Like that's right. It's hard. Yeah, you have to you have to stand your ground. He protected his finish for all those years. Um, so it you have to 
you have to stand your ground. It's difficult, especially in today's day and age when everybody can do a million moves and they kick out of all of them. Mm-hmm. It's it, it's harder, but it's not impossible. It's just harder. So what's the biggest difference from the first time you were in TNA to Impact now that you noticed the most? Um, man, the biggest difference. Well, there's two differences. One is the... The roster and the management are completely different. Right? Yeah, so that's true. From a roster standpoint, the roster that we have right now is so positive. Like nobody's watching the monitors in the back and like talking shit about the guys or the matches or, or anything. Um, it awesome. is everybody's watching the monitors and popping and like putting it over. <laughs> and then when you come back after your match, there's at least one person, if not two or three or four or five right. coming and telling you how awesome that was and mm-hmm. what they liked most about it and why it was so great. Cool. And it's like very encouraging. It's a very positive atmosphere. The morale is amazing. Mm-hmm. And you got a bunch of young, hungry guys um, that are encouraging one another and want to make something out of this together it's it's really awesome it's the roster is amazing um there's no clicks it's just (laughs) positivity all around so the roster i can't speak highly enough of it's 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 amazing and then the management now um to kind of put this in perspective for for people that you know um aren't behind the scenes (laughs) it when a wrestling company is run by wrestlers (laughs) It is night and day for a number of reasons, but to compare the current era with a Don Callis and a Scott Damore, Mm -hmm. those guys have been in wrestling boots. They have been in my position before. Mm -hmm. So when they talk to me or have me do something, they understand what my thought process is. And what questions I might have or why, what I might want to know about that situation or what my maybe insecurities about that situation are or, or what, where I want to know where this is going or any of those things. Mm-hmm. They can anticipate those things because they understand. Right. Because they have been literally in my boots before they have wrestled before. Mm-hmm. So they have a better understanding of the a wrestler's mentality. Um, so they have a whole other level of respect and they also have a whole other level of understanding quality talent because a good trained wrestler Mm -hmm. can literally tell if someone's good by simply watching them lock up. Mm. Like they can simply watch someone circle around the ring and lock up and they can tell in that moment if that's that guy's any good or not right i have i have seen when i did wwe tryouts mm-hmm. i saw producers and people in the office watch someone lock up mm-hmm. and turn around and just walk away oh, and that's wow. all they needed to see they're like, yep they're done that that person's not going to get a job right simply because of the way they locked up mm-hmm. so a good a trained eye can tell if someone is is good or not right away and that's the ability of the management right now they can tell quality talent mm-hmm. simply by watching them lock up so that that's cool that is so important in my opinion I think um, so, with yeah. running a wrestling company and creating a wrestling product is uh, who's in charge so man i can't honestly i can't i can't say enough good things about 
the management um, and the roster of Impact Wrestling right now. That's and again, listening to other Impact wrestlers doing other podcasts, they exactly say the same thing as you do. They love the atmosphere. Everyone's gung ho. It's it's a team effort now, as of versus an individual effort where it was, I guess, before, right? Yeah, I mean, I my I remember my first my first few tapings coming back. I was kind of uh, a little bit nervous and a little bit like kind of reserved and laid back like kind of pulled back and and just kind of watching kind of what's going on and Mm kind of thinking to myself like man all these guys are nice like (laughs) my old grizzled vet status is like okay like like, (laughs) i'm in i'm in the shark water now like all right who are the sharks here because these guys are way too nice and this is this is too good to be true so Mm -hmm. who's the real assholes around here (laughs) and uh i've been there i've been it's been a year now and uh i'm happy to say those guys have not shown their face like the the, the roster is actually that awesome. So that's cool. it, it, it is, it is re- that nice and the atmosphere is that good. It's, 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 it's really awesome, dude. No, that's cool. Oh, yeah, and you mentioned it or in passing earlier on that you do also speaking engagements. And yes. this is something that you love to do because I see you tweet about it all the time. You're very proud f- to doing this to help out wherever you can. How did all this come around and when did you decide to give back to the community, so to speak? Um. Well, I won't, I don't want, I'm not going to say that I'm, uh, you know, I'm the saint that is just giving back to the community because a lot of sure. people don't understand. Like, it's my second career. I, I, I get paid to do this. I'm okay. a professional speaker. So it's not just, you know, something that I do for free. I, I, I get paid. I get paid well doing it. Um, gotcha. I love it. Um, it. I do see it as giving back because I, if I was when I was a kid, if I had a professional wrestler come to my school to talk to me, <laughs> I would think that I, my my head would have exploded. So I, I do realize That's that uh, in a lot of ways, I am I'm giving back to some of the communities. And I do go into rural small towns and communities that maybe normally wouldn't be able to bring a speaker in, and I, I work with them so that they're able to afford it. And I, I do all those things, but I I have turned into a second career. It, wow. it, it's something that I I love to do, and it, it fell on my lap. It wasn't something that I had planned i got asked to actually speak at my old high school oh. and uh it, it went really well and i got asked to come back again and then i got asked by another school to come speak at their school and i got asked to go to another one and it kind of hmm. started to snowball and then i realized wait a minute i think i i have something here right. like i think i could if i if i apply the same hustle mentality that i have to my wrestling career and i apply it to the speaking world hmm. I might be able to make a go of this, so that's go. that's what I did. All the all the hustling um, that I had done as an independent wrestler um, and the things I had learned in the wrestling business on how to to build a brand mm. and market myself and make myself a valuable person in that world, right. I, I did that uh, in the speaking world, and now I'm literally coast to coast. I've um, I, I I've spoken from. Newfoundland to BC, like wow. coast to coast and everywhere in between, and been to uh, visited some amazing schools in Saskatchewan and Alberta mm. and, and uh, BC. I'm everywhere, so uh, I, I love it. I, I absolutely love it. It's it's. I'm so blessed to have found it because right. uh, it's something I can do when I'm not able to take the slams anymore and I can't take the bumps and my body finally gives out on me. It's something like I can do, um, when I'm not, my body won't let me, uh, be crazy and be a wrestler anymore. Mm -hmm. 
but it's also the same feeling that I get before I have a match. Those butterflies, those same kind of oh. that that anticipation and that excited sure. feeling I get before a wrestling match. I get the same feeling before I give a speech. So oh, cool. and I get I get just as much of an adrenaline boost from speaking as I do from wrestling. And I never thought I'd be able to find something <laughs> that gave me that same feeling. Right. Like, like you hear wrestlers talk about it, it's a drug. Of course. Man. Like it is it yeah. is a drug. When you find that drug, you're like and it happened to me. My first wrestling match, mm-hmm. I was like, When can I do this again? I can I do it now? Like when can I do this again? And I feel the same way about speaking. Whenever I do it, I'm like, when I got to do this again. I got to do this as much as possible. So I'm, I'm very, very lucky to have found it and so much and so much enjoy it. Love going uh, across the country speaking. It's, it's such an amazing second career. I'm so blessed. Oh, that's awesome to hear. Now going back to adrenaline, how weird is it going to be if you're going to have to wrestle in front of no crowd eventually, if it comes to that? Oh man, I know it's, <laughs> it is so crazy, man. Like now, I actually share the story when I'm speaking. It's one of my, it's like my second or third match I ever had. I, okay. I, I go down to the ring and, uh, I mean, I, I'm a young kid. I've been, I watched the WWE. I mean, I got dreams of wrestling of, you know, in front of 20,000 people. And, uh, I walk out to my ring for like my third match mm-hmm. and I'm going down to the ring and, uh, I look out the audience and I start counting the people in the audience. Oh no. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Wow. Eight. <laughs> I wrestled in front of eight people. Wow. <laughs> and I, you know, I tell the kids, I go, this is a moment in my life, like, because I talked about perseverance and, 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 and working through these, these, you know, when you have negative things come at you, you got to right. focus on the positive. Yeah, yeah. So this was a, this was like a negative moment in my life where I'm thinking, this is not what I dreamt about when mm-hmm. I was a kid. I did not dream about wrestling in front of eight people, you know, in this silent room in front of eight people that are just staring at me, waiting for me to do something. Right. Um, very weird uh, experience. So <laughs> some of us, some of us, uh, you know, grizzled indie wrestlers, uh, have maybe we have experienced wrestling in front of small crowds or in of course. front of no one. So I, I have that experience. Uh, I've done it before, not you know on purpose. Um, but yeah, man, we live in this such a. It's right now is such a crazy time, you know, in the wrestling world, but all just the world in general. Um, it's it's tough times, but. Uh, <sighs> I, I hopefully we're I think I think we're going to be better on the other side of this. Um, I think so too. As as a country and as a world and as people, we we're going to get through this. But there's a lot of tough times ahead, man. I yeah. today's actually been a really tough day for me. I've I I haven't counted the amount of money I've lost, but I've oh. lost. I've actually I've lost tens of thousands of dollars today oh, with, uh, no. with 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 canceled speaking events, right. uh, wrestling tours, and wrestling speaking tours. I've had. Yep. Uh, I was supposed to be out in Saskatchewan for a week and out in Newfoundland for a week speaking and wrestling, and wow. uh, all that money is just gone. It's uh, it's all been canceled. So it's Shit. it's tough. Um, but like I said, I'm, I'm I. Uh, I think we're going to be better people on the other side of this. I'm just right. going to keep giving her and uh, focus on the positive and and uh, things will turn around eventually. No, they have to. It could only get, as they say, better before it gets even worse, right? So, Yeah, yeah. We'll, I, we'll I, see I what happens. Yeah, perfect. So before I get into the dumbass of the week, what does Cody Diener do? 
What are you doing? It's not me, is it? No, no, no. no. See, <laughs> you're not the only one. What is all, like half of my guests who come on always said that they're like, are you leading up to something? Are you going to nail me at the end? It's like, no, no. Uh, you, this is a safe place. Don't worry. <laughs> okay, good. So before we get to the dumbass, what does Cody Diener yeah. do on his downtime? What's your thing? What If there was no wrestling, and actually right now with all this downtime, what are you doing yeah. to keep yourself busy, man? Well, are you a TV guy, movie, yes. video games? What's up? No, man, I do not have I, I don't have time for video games. Okay. Um, I don't have time to watch sports. Oh, sure. Uh, friends of mine that are in the sports, I get just, I don't have time. And the reason I don't is I have four kids. Oh, I'm there it is. Yeah, I, I, <laughs> I have a dad. I have I have three beautiful girls and a, and, and my son. Right. And uh, I, I love my kids to death. And they're young. My my oldest is eight. Okay. Uh, so my kids are, are eight, six, three, and one. Wow. So my my I'm in the middle and I'm in the thick of it with the kids right now. Uh, right. My wife, my wife is amazing. Uh, Mrs. Diener is the most amazing woman <laughs> in the world. I wouldn't be able to do what I do and live my dream, you know, traveling all around the world doing what I love um, without her. So right, I'm I'm focusing on that right now. Actually, is I've been busier. Like I said, I've been wrestling for 20 years. Mm-hmm. I've I've never been busier. Um, in my life uh up until this point i've been on the road so much the last year uh actually april uh before everything got canceled um, <laughs> my wife just said to me the other day or a couple weeks ago it's like can you um try to limit your tours with the wrestling speaking to like five days because okay. it's it's hard you know of for being, with, the kids miss me and everything and i'm like okay honey i'll, I'll limit them right. and then i looked at my my calendar in april and i was like oh crap and she's like, what? I said, I'm going to be gone for 19 days in a row. Wow. In April. Yeah. So uh, so that was going to bring in a lot of income to my family. Of course. But uh, now, currently, I don't know if any of those are going to be happening anymore. So, right. um, again, like I said, it's a lot of income gone. But I'm not focusing on that. I'm focusing on, okay, this is a chance for me to, to spend time with my family um, and spend time with my kids and be there with them. So that's what, that's what Dina does on his downtime, man. I, uh, hmm. I took my kids for a walk through the forest yesterday and uh, came home when uh, drank a beer while they jumped on the trampoline. <laughs> so that's, that's, that's what I do, man, is uh, when I'm not kind of doing my office work of getting all my stuff and bookings and managing everything right. myself, because that's what I do as an indie wrestler and an in- independent contractor. Of course. I don't have anyone working for me. It's That's all myself and all the hustle is on me. So mm-hmm. um, so when I'm not doing that, I'm, I'm spending time with my kids. So. Uh, and, and loving it. Diener's a family man. Perfect. I don't know if you could hear as my cat chimes in the background. Do you have any pets? <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't. Uh, I, I did. I actually had I had cats when I was uh, when I was in my twenties. Okay. Uh, before I had kids, I had a couple cats, but uh, I don't have any pets. And now that I have now that I have kids, and they're getting to that age where they're asking for a puppy and they're asking for right. a cat, and I'm like no way like, <laughs> I, I know the how awesome it can be to have a family pet of course but I also know that <laughs> they're not going to take care of it and I also know uh, I'm not going to take care of it because daddy's gone of course so that's just my wife who's already has to deal with the my four kids when I'm gone mm-hmm. doesn't need to also deal with four kids and a dog uh, so 
that's right now we don't have any family pets but uh when we do this again in a year and we t- we, we talk again uh that answer might be different we'll see if, if my kids break break us down any more than they already are trying right now <laughs> that's fucking <laughs> hilarious so no like you don't watch tv nothing of that sort like not even reading yeah, a book yeah 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 man like when when finally when we get the kids to bed uh me and the wife will sit down and uh we'll netflix and chill together okay, and we'll watch stuff and uh i mean when i'm when I'm, I got a home gym, uh, so oh, I, I, I watch. Uh, that's when I get my wrestling fix. Is when ah. I'm working out. Is I'll, I'll throw something on. I'll right. throw something on the WWE Network and uh, throw, watch some old old WWF Saturday Night's Main Event or um, old WCW. Uh, I like the old stuff, man. That's just that's yeah. just what I gravitate towards too. Same. That's what I gravitate to is uh, is the old stuff. So I'll throw something on and uh, get my wrestling fix then. So, I do. I watch. I watch TV and stuff, but uh, don't get to watch as many, you know, uh, guy flicks as I as I used to <laughs> because I when I watch TV, it's usually with my wife. But that's right. okay. I'm a sucker for a good rom com, brother. I always have been. <laughs> hey, you know what? I'm the same way, and I don't know about you, but there hasn't been a good one in a while. It's true, man. I <laughs> I, I I I legit like. I love rom-coms and uh, I, <laughs> I was on tour with uh, with a guy and I told him I love rom-coms. He thought I was joking. I'm like, no, dude, like rom-coms are, are awesome. And uh, he goes, I just hate those. You just, you always know how they're going to end. I well, go, well, you know, you don't anymore because true. Hollywood has screwed it up. They, they'll do a rom-com, but then they won't get together in the end. And it's like, what the hell are you doing? <laughs> like, I'm watching this movie because I know what's going to happen. Right. I know that I want to see these people get together. Just show me how the crazy way they're going to end up together. Mm-hmm. And in the end, they're going to get together and everything's going to be great. And I'm like, oh, that was a great 90 minutes I just spent getting to satisfied watching that. But they don't do that anymore. Ha- You're right, man. There hasn't been a good one in a while. They, we, you need to get on that. We need to, we need to, we need to make this happen. There you go. Maybe you could start in the next one. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> actually, I just, I actually, I've, I've dabbled in acting. I can't tell oh, okay. you uh, what show I'm going to be on, oh. um, but I actually, it's actually a, a hit. It's actually a hit oh. Canadian show nice. um, that has actually, it's an award winning show um, that I, I filmed. Uh, I did a guest spot on it. And last year I filmed it and it's uh, the season of the show was just starting and it's going to be going to be coming up uh, probably in the next month or so. Um, it's going to is going to be on, so it's going to be something. Hopefully, I'm going to be able to uh, advertise and let people know it's, it's going to be coming up soon. I just I just can't tell you about it right now, but oh, that's cool. yeah, man. Maybe, maybe when that hits and uh, my acting career will blow up too, and uh, we'll, we'll be making rom coms, brother. <laughs> Perfect. Well, okay. You you know you know sell this because I'm gonna. I think it's this show. So don't say anything, and then we'll move on. For in my opinion, I think you're going to be on Shit's Creek because that would be a perfect fit. Oh, dude, I wish. Oh, okay, uh, so it's not. I would, I, would, I would. If that was the case, I would tell you right now. <laughs> I'm going to be on Shit's Creek because that show is fucking amazing. Uh, <laughs> that's actually one of the ones that me and the wife we've binged on. Um, right. is Shit's Creek. I was a huge SCTV fan when I was a kid. Of course. Um, and if you have any American, the American listeners listening right now, they have no idea what we're talking about. Nope. But uh, SCTV <laughs> was amazing. And Catherine O'Hara and Eugene Levy and all those folks. John Candy. Oh man, like that was the best. Yep. So that that's that is that's one of the best shows on TV. That's 
definitely one of the best shows on TV. So if I if I ever got a call from Schitt's Creek <laughs> to to be on their show, I would. You can let that. I will put that out in the universe right now. I'll Perfect. do it for free <laughs> to get on there. <laughs> it's a wow! What an amazing show! It's not that. It's not okay. That. Okay. However, perfect. But it is. But it is. Uh, it is a, a a hit Canadian television show. Okay. Um, it's actually a drama. It's a drama. So that's the only. That's the only oh, thing I'll tell you. Yes. Yes. Perfect. Sounds great. You ready for the dumbass? Yeah, man. Hit hit me with some dumbass. Okay. Well, first, I'll, let's ease into this. Um, as a wrestler and you travel a lot, I'm sure you hit the road plenty of times. We're in the car plenty of times. So you don't yep. necessarily have the means to go to a toilet all the time if you need to take a piss break, right? So right. what's if you don't want to share, it's up to you, but I'm sure you'll be open to this because I'll share my story after too, and then we'll get into the dumbass. What's the okay. weirdest place that you had to take a leak at? I had to take a leak at? Yeah. Like you just oh. had to stop. You know, like Obviously, some guys have done it in the bush here and there, but is there any place in specific where you're like, I never thought I was going to take a piss right now? Right. Well, uh, no, nothing like weird, okay. um, but like definitely humorous. Uh, oh. Was We were driving and we're in, that's me and a couple other wrestlers were in the van with, in, in the vehicle with me. Okay. And I was, dri- I was driving. Um, and I had to piss mm. and I'm like, guys, <laughs> like it's, 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 this, it's, this is happening. Like this, it's got to happen now because right. I can't take this. I'm going to, I'm going to explode. So we got to switch. Uh, we're actually in standstill traffic jam. Oh, wow. I'm like, I'm going to jump in the back seat and you know, we had just had Wendy's and luckily <laughs> someone had had an extra large Wendy's cup. Oh, I'm like, perfect. There you go. Perfect. Get rid of the ice get in the back seat and uh let her rip and i'm going i'm going i'm going and then all of a sudden <laughs> like other other guys in the car hear me say uh-oh oh no uh, and they're like what <laughs> and i had filled i was getting to the brim right. of this extra large wendy's cup okay. and it was gonna it was gonna keep going and i'm like and I don't know if you have ever had to pinch one off uh, oh, midstream, it but uh, it's it's hard, if not impossible. Yeah. And at this point, because I started to giggle, because <laughs> they had to, they were laughing, <laughs> it became impossible. So now, all of a sudden, I actually had just gotten a Ford Explorer and uh, with leather seats. Oh. I was living the high life, and uh, <laughs> those leather seats got pissed all oh. over by me in the back seat trying to pinch it pinch it off wow. as I filled up that extra large Wendy's cup and I eventually I, I eventually like pinched off as best I could rolled down the window I'll never forget oh, no. <laughs> the, the people in the vehicle next right. to me watching a, 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 a vehicle full of wrestlers <laughs> laughing and shaking as I rolled down the window and then just slowly empty oh, no. a giant <laughs> Wendy's <laughs> cup of piss and then roll the window back up <laughs> and then continue the best I can I, oh. I, I think I got like Still another half cup of extra large of that Wendy's cup. It was insane, dude. So not like a weird spot, but definitely a crazy, crazy on the road urination story. That's for sure. Well, mine is sort of kind of, well, mine isn't a crazy spot either. It was, I didn't even know how to describe it. It it was, I guess, a revenge piss, so to speak. So (laughs) I'm not really proud of this. I think I told this story early on in my podcast days, but I'll bring it up now because I'm sure I got a bunch of new listeners since then. So I used to live, I used to go visit Portugal a lot, my parents being Portuguese, so we used to go every summer. And uh, we, my cousin and my grandmother used to live in like an apartment complex, right? 
So every mm-hmm. time I would end up staying with them, we'd play with the kids that all live in the apartment complex, like you usually do. You know what I mean? But yep. like in every play, every neighborhood has it. Every apartment has it. You have that grumpy old man that just comes out and always ruins the fucking fun. You know what I mean? You have that one guy mm-hmm. always. Yes. So the guys were fed up and decided one day, I think it was like three or four of us, to try and get back at this guy. So the big plan was for everybody to piss in a bucket and then splash the bucket underneath his front door so it seeps into his Ooh, apartment. Yeah. So here we all are trying to take a piss into this bucket. Not all at the same time. It's not like we we're doing anything like that. It was one at a time going to yeah. the bucket, right? Then comes, yeah. oh, my turn. Now, I get fucking shy when I need to piss to the point where sometimes yes. even if I go into a public washroom and I don't know where this comes from because it's not like I'm scared to piss whatever I just can't do it like I'll go to the year happens when, to me too like I you know what I mean too. yeah exactly stage yeah. fright and I, I tell everyone and I even told my wife I go you have no worry about me going into porn because I have so much stage fright that I wouldn't even t- be able to perform so you're good <laughs> so it came yes. my turn to go and I'm like I just can't do it I can't do it and then finally some came out whatever I did it and then we go we throw it underneath his thing ring the doorbell and ran so that's my piss story <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> that's great that actually reminds me of what uh, I this I don't you just triggered a crazy memory uh so I gotta I gotta share this go for it I never thought I'd be telling this story on a podcast ever uh but my mom would be happy to know that I just shared the story (laughs) so uh so I'm I'm five years old I'm right around the time that I see Hulk Hogan and uh I'm decided I'm gonna be a wrestler this is actually one of my early memories and I have no this maybe explains why I'm crazy enough to be in the wrestling business and I because if you're a wrestler, you just have a screw loose. Sure. You're just you got to be crazy to be a wrestler. That's what they so all this say. really proves that I've had a screw loose in my brain <laughs> since I was five years old. So my house, when I was growing up, had a spiral staircase um, in the middle of it, um, and it had like shag carpet on each step on its way up. But mm-hmm. there was a, it was like one of those old iron. Like it was a, an iron staircase, so there was space in between each step. Right. So it was a circular spiral staircase, and my dad's lazy boy was right underneath the spiral staircase. Okay. And he would sit in his lazy boy and he'd right. watch his TV. Okay. And for whatever reason, I have no idea why this thought occurred to me, but as a five-year-old boy, I decided I'm going to put my dink through that step oh, in no. that opening right. and I'm going to see if I can piss on my dad's head <laughs> <laughs> so my dad is in the middle of watching <laughs> Dallas or whatever the hell show he's watching yeah. and I perfect stream wow. urinate right on my dad's bald head and wow. my mom has shared this story so many times with people she just she couldn't she's on the couch and she sees this whole thing happening and she just watches my dad all of a sudden <laughs> my piss is streaming down his face and, it, and like he's just like like what's happening right now like it takes him like 10 10 seconds to realize like what is happening and then finally he looks up and sees me and my little five-year-old dink pissing off the spiral staircase, oh. and he just goes crazy. Oh. And I throw my pants up, and I sprint <laughs> down the staircase, and luckily our, we had a, <laughs> the only room in our whole house that locked was the bathroom. And okay. I 
jump into the bathroom, lock the door. My dad is screaming and pounding on that bathroom <laughs> door, and, as, and I locked myself in there. And I locked myself there in there oh, long enough right. that until uh, I till I heard like laughter on the other oh end, on the other side of the door, until I was finally able to open the door right. uh, and get get away with that unscathed but uh my <laughs> i've told that story at family gatherings my mom will tell it to anyone who will listen she'll never forget the day that i, I pissed on my dad's head so oh my god that is definitely that is my answer to the question the weirdest spot i've had i've urinated is well, definitely yeah. on my father's head <laughs> yeah that's wow yeah that tops mine that's for sure <laughs> <laughs> oh shit okay well uh, Maybe you are the dumbass of the week then. Shit. <laughs> Should we go any yeah, further? Man. Whatever we got coming now, I, I don't think it's going to be able to top you, know, you, you throwing piss under someone's door or me piss on my dad's head, but <laughs> let, let, let's hear it. Let's see if it, if it can top it. Well, you never know. Well, oddly enough, I got two dumbasses that have pissing stories. First one is a quick one. It's okay. someone who got fired for urinating in the coffee pot at work and letting the employers drink it without telling them. Ah, uh, what a dink. Right? Yeah. What a jerk. So he's yeah, a yeah, for yeah. sure dumbass. So that's that one. Now, this one's even more interesting because this is a cluster of people that's done this. So this happened in Mexico okay. City. Apparently, okay. in their subway system, their their escalators and stuff were all breaking down, like repeatedly. Like the technicians couldn't figure out what was going on. They'd go there. They'd fix it, clean it up. Everything's good, whatever. To the point where they finally found the problem. So a lot of the gears were starting to crust up, erode, get shit on them and all that. And obviously, because we were talking about it, guess from rot, from people pissing on the fucking escalator. How many people need to be doing this for it to break down like that? Oh, my God. Right? Oh, jeez. Why? <laughs> I don't know. And that's the other thing. No one knows. I don't know if so. it's monkey see, monkey do type of thing. You see one guy is, hey, yeah. this guy's pissing on the escalator. Hey, so I guess I'll do it, too. I, I don't fucking know, man. Yeah. I, that's... So talk about my question is is like because I can relate to you like with stage fright right like See? being on an escalator like what not only are you likely going to be near someone you also have the the chance that if you're on the way up right there's somebody else coming down right so you're potentially you're you're going to eventually be in the direct line of sight of somebody coming down from the other direction and then you're also moving. Like that's just kind of you're that's weird in itself too. Like there's a lot of weird things psychologically about that that baffle me. Uh, but that's ridiculous. <laughs> that is the that's 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 dumb. Uh, that's I think at least mm-hmm. my excuse of me pissing on my dad's head. I mean, I was five years old, so who knows what the hell's going through my head? So that's true. Maybe it's maybe it's just but maybe it's just five year old kids that. Uh, deciding to piss on this escalator i don't know i don't know if it's it's adults uh i don't see i don't see an excuse for it or a reason for it i don't well here okay reading further now it says that apparently not enough uh public washrooms are in their subway system so that's one excuse and here's a cool stat Uh so it goes to show how much it breaks down out of their 467 escalators oh shit they got a pretty big subway system then 22 of them are out of service every day because of people pissing on them Right. Well, maybe that's that's their way of uh, protesting. Of to tell tell them, hey, you need more public washrooms because uh, yeah, like come on, it's that's 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 the way it is. I do know 
From I do know I've had people tell me mm-hmm. I wrestled in Mexico for the first time this year. Oh, okay. Um, I was with I was with Impact Wrestling, right? But I was told like I was told by some friends before like, oh, you want to wrestle in Mexico? Like, yeah, like you bring toilet paper. Oh, I was like, and I was like, what? And like, oh well, yeah, bring 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 toilet paper because okay. you'll have you'll have a, if you do go into a restroom, there won't be toilet paper there. Um. It's just it's just not a common thing. Um, you okay. won't be able to find it, so um, or you have to pay for it. Like so, uh, there'll be some public restrooms where you actually have to pay to even get in there to use it. Oh wow! Um, was it was another thing? Yeah. So um, because I was with Impact, I got they. I mean, they took care of us, so they drove us around, and mm-hmm. the building we were at had washrooms. And there was no issues at all, but uh, apparently <laughs> that's a thing in certain parts. So oh. maybe we've got to the bottom of this. Maybe this is a. Uh, Maybe there's actually a reason for it. People are revolting and being like, hey, we need more washrooms. Screw you. We're going to piss on your escalators. <laughs> hey, that's one way to get back at them, I guess. <laughs> I, <don't>, I guess. <laughs> now, can you imagine the smell, oh, too, then? That's the other thing. Oof. Oh. oh, I'm an independent wrestler. I can. I don't have to imagine the smell. I've probably oh. smelled it before. I've, 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 <laughs> I've wrestled in plenty of venues that smell like piss and shit and beer and, yeah yeah the, the the sweet indie cocktail of beer piss and popcorn it's i've had that and i've had that smell in my nostrils before so wow i can only imagine yeah shit well on that note you could plug your shit people where people could find you <laughs> where they could reach yeah, out uh codydiener.com <clears throat> is uh is is my website and it has links to all my social media so people that uh want to check me out on my social media they can go to i got twitter instagram and a facebook page um easy to find on there it's just at cody diener for all those things and then codydiener.com has all information on how to book me if they're a wrestling promoter and you want to book me on your wrestling show um you can find my information there i have a public email it's just book cody at codydiener.com that's again it's, it's at codydiener.com you can find that information if you're uh if you're a school teacher or know a school teacher or a principal or somebody that might be interested in bringing me to their school to talk to their kids, uh, that all the information about my my speaking topics and testimonials and uh, what I'm all about with that is all on codydiener.com as well. That's awesome. And for myself, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter under Finga Styles. Follow the podcast on Twitter, the podcast app. <clears throat> Email us your thoughts, suggestions, comments, anything you want to get off your chest. If you read an article of a dumbass and you think it would be funny for, for the show, submit them. I'll probably, if they're good enough, I'll air them. So look out for that. And obviously, go to the top of the show, Rewind. Please support the sponsors because if it helps them out, it helps me out. Go to my merchandise store, tpublic.com. Scroll down on your device. Click on the link there. Buy something nice. And the most important thing, please rate, subscribe, review. It's the easiest thing, the most free thing you could do. It takes two seconds. Even if you don't want to write a review, click on the five stars, do something there. Rank up the algorithms, as they say, because that's the only way us podcasters get seen and get paid. So please go do all that fun stuff because it really helps me out. And if you're a new listener, that's what happens to be checking the show out because of Cody being on. Thank you very much. Go back to my old, to my catalog. I got all kinds of wrestlers. I've had all the Impact wrestlers on like TJP, Ken Anderson, ROH stars like PCO, even ROH old owner Kerry Sokin has made an appearance on the show. And as obviously aforementioned Tyson Dukes has been on along with Crazy Steve and we didn't even touch on wrestling all we talked was conspiracy theories so that was a fun episode as well so go back check out those check out the Twitter keep updated with everything that's upcoming and so forth and so on all good my friend hey that's
that's awesome, man. I uh, appreciate the time. And uh, send me that CBD oil, brother. <laughs> you got it. Look out for it. We'll talk most definitely. So on that note, he's Cody. I'm Steve. This is the podcast. Peace. Peace.